Jackson State's defense and special teams leads them to a SWAT championship. We take a look back at last week's keys to victory and how they played out, and South Carolina State upset South Florida on a last-second buzzer beater. Oh yeah, this Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, a.k.a. former TSU Herald Sports Editor and Texas Southern alum. And today's episode is brought to us by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. And we've got a lot to get into because it was a big game this weekend. A huge game between Jackson State and Prairie View A&M. And I don't mean big just in the matter of this is the SWAC championship. If you guys watched, and I hope you guys did, the stands was absolutely packed. It was ridiculous. And... The attendance was actually larger than not quite the Power 5 conferences, even though they were very close to the Pac-12. They actually topped some of the uh, Group of 5 conferences as far as attendance goes. So that was a huge number for the SWAC, and I was very proud to get that information this morning. I saw it. So when we look at Jackson State, why did they win the game? It wasn't because offense. It was because their defense and special teams carried them to their first SWAC championship since 2007. These, these units were absolutely phenomenal, and they needed to be. So let's get into the game and what kind of impact that they made. The number one thing that we were looking for is the defense because though Jackson State has a good offense and Shadour Sanders is a big talking point, newcomer of the, excuse me, not newcomer of the year, but freshman of the year, newcomer of the year, was on the defensive side of the ball in James Houston. And he made his presence felt on the game for sure. So when I look at the special teams in the defense, I feel like I want to say that it was a pivotal part of the victory. But at the same time, I feel like that might be underselling it a bit. It wasn't just a pivotal part of the victory. It was the driving force behind it. Those two units are the reason that Jackson State won, in my opinion. Um, when you really look at it, they both put up points, and I understand that without that, the score would have been 14 to 10 instead of 27 to 10, which was the final. They still would have won by four points, technically. But that's only if you only account for the points that they put up on the board. And only taking the points that they put up on the board would minimize the impact of the defense, if we're being honest, because they needed to perform just as well as they did, because this is a game that Shadur Sanders played that Coach Sanders said, arguably was his worst performance ever you know it's not just he didn't play his best game this might have been his worst game so when you look at that the leader of your offense is having one of his worst games I'm not going to say the worst game but one of the worst games that he's had you have to step up on the defensive side of the ball and it's necessary and I want to point out a specific scenario because they did a lot of great things including forcing five turnovers on the day but I actually want to highlight this one specific scenario because I felt like that specific scenario that I'm about to highlight 
really shined a light on how good the pass rush was for Jackson State. And I'm going to get into that later because if you remember, one of the keys to victory was getting to the quarterback. But Justin Raggin had back-to-back sacks after Prairie View had dr- driven down to the 29-yard line. There was a 23-yard pass that took Prairie View to the 29. Raggin had back-to-back sacks. The first one for five yards, the second one for six yards, and it pushed them out of field goal range because now you're looking at a 57-yard field goal. But then also after that, Pass had his first interception of the day. Both of his interceptions actually went to Cam- Cameron, excuse me, almost messed up, called him Cameron, but Cameron Silman Craig. Both of, his, both of his interceptions went to him, but that was his first of the day. And without those sacks, I don't think that you see the Panthers try to press so much to get a first down or have to press so far down the field because instead of looking at a second and 20 yards or a third and 20 yards, you might be looking at a third and six, third and seven. And that's a completely different type of situation where instead of trying to push deep down the field, you're okay taking a shorter pass. And I think that was just one of the things that really highlighted how good the trenches were. Now, don't get it wrong. They were on fire all day. They were absolutely on fire all day. I just chose to pick a series that was at the beginning of the game because it just showed how strong they came out. And that strong beginning really carried out into the rest of the game as well because, yes, they gave up some points. They gave up a touchdown pass on fourth and two, but it was a double pass, 35-yard, really explosive play. But it was a fourth down on a double pass. It caught them off guard, yes. However, it wasn't just a methodical drive. They allowed a field goal later on in the game, and that was after a big-time pass from Jawan uh, pass to Jalen Howard, and that was a absolutely beautiful pass. Like, I know he had a rough day, but pass actually made a really good throw right there, and it landed right between the cornerback and the safety, where Shiloh Sanders kind of had the ball a little bit lower or had his hands a little bit lower waiting on the ball rather than high-pointing it. And the result of that was just a beautiful pass. So, like I said, they were a more than capable offense. It's just that Jackson State was a really good defense as well. And other than those two plays, they really didn't do anything. Jackson State really nullified all type of offense that Prairie View tried to get going. And it wasn't just on the quarterback. Let's just be very clear. It wasn't just pass getting affected by the pressure. It was also the running backs because the defensive line was breaking through and getting tackles for a loss. And the defense forced four turnovers on the day of pass, and the last one resulted in, in him getting benched. And the backup kindly came in, and he also had a fumble on the last possession. So, you know, you come out the same way that you win. So that's important because that intensity and that strength and that that effort that they started the game with wasn't something that flamed out after the first quarter. It carried on until the very last possession of the game. They forced fumbles through pressure. Cameron Silman Craig had two interceptions. And it was just an overall tough day for Pass to get things going. But that pick six by by James Houston was phenomenal because it took a lot of concentration to hit the ball. And it wasn't one that just hit him in the chest. He recognized the screen. So first off, he diagnosed the, the play with the mental side. But then he showed his athleticism with picking it off and taking it to the house. I, I guess he saw that the offense wasn't really doing anything with their interceptions. I mean, with their turnovers that they gave him. Because they had three turnovers and... No points came from it. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. When I get this turnover, I'm taking it back to the house. And that's kind of what the special teams did on a lesser scale. They didn't force multiple turnovers, but they did put Jackson State into Prairie View territory to start the game, and they did nothing with it. So finally, Isaiah Bowden said, y'all ain't going to do nothing with it. I'm going to make sure that I take it all the way to the house. 
And those 13 points were scored by the defense and the special teams. And I feel necessary to reiterate, yes, those points were scored. And they still would have won without those points. But the defense ability to stop Prairie View's offense altogether and hold one of the better quarterbacks in the conference to a bad performance and eventually having to get benched, that went a long way. The special teams having multiple returns on the punting in the punting game of 10 or more yards went a long way, including a long of 24. Those things went a long way. The impact was way deeper than the points that they scored with those units. The defense kept Prairie View at a distance for most of the game, forced five turnovers, and then the special teams continuously gave the offense good, good starting field position. So on a day when the offense wasn't really firing on all cylinders, the defense and the special teams are the reason that Jackson State can say we are the SWAT champions for the first time since 2007. And we're going to look at some of the deeper things in there, including our keys to victory that we brought up on Friday. Let's see how each team did and if they unlock some doors or not. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard of Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, something that I love and I'm sure you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy, offering more props than anyone I've ever seen. All Power 5 players, mid major players, some players you probably haven't even heard of, they're all there. Prize Picks can offer any prop you think of more yards, touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And if you want a 100% instant deposit match up to $100, make sure you use the promo code locked on you can pick two to five players if you want to do the over or the under on their projections it's just you versus the projected numbers and you can even do mixed sports entries say i wanted to talk about bryce young's touchdowns and take the over but i wanted to take Lamelo balls under on the points i could do that on the same ticket it doesn't even matter so go to the Google Play Store or the App Store. It really does not matter, but download the app and you can make these entries in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals, so don't hesitate. Check out prizepick.com or download the app from the App Store, but either way, make sure you're using the promo code Locked On. That's PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. <laughs> Welcome back to Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And now we're about to reflect on the keys to victory that we provided on on Friday to see how they hold up. Now the game's over and it's Monday morning. Let's see what we saw and see if it played a part in the game. So let's start off with Prairie View. Number one was eliminate turnovers and mission was failed in a major way. This is something that they had trouble with all year, so I did not feel like it was something that they were going to be able to eliminate going into this game. It was going to be very difficult to get away from that, especially with having a high level of competition in Jackson State. You weren't going to just snap your fingers and say, oh, I'm playing the best team in the swag. Let me go ahead and stop turning the ball over. And it, it wasn't something that they were able to do. They ended up having five turnovers, four by Jawan Pass himself including two interceptions to Cameron Silman Craig, and he had a fumble and a pick six that was really a great play. It wasn't a it wasn't a terrible throw. I thought it could have been thrown in the dirt rather than thrown and tried to force to the running back. But James Houston really made a great play more than anything else, in my opinion. But those turnovers, they weren't killers. They actually were not killers. The defensive prairie view nullified how impactful that those turnovers will be. 
on three turnover drives, because obviously one was a pick six, on three drives following turnovers, they only allowed one first down in 29 yards. And most importantly in all of those things, they allowed no touchdowns, no points, no field goals, no touchdowns, no anything. So when you look at it, the turnovers were a big deal because you're taking the ball out of your hand. There's no way to just say, oh, well, they didn't get any points, so it's not that big a deal. But it's not as big of a deal as it would have been because the defense of Prairie View was on. The Panthers' defense was really good. And that ended up helping. Plus, the location of the turnovers weren't really that bad. Some put Jackson State, like, in the 20, like, the first interception put them deep in their own territory. Or as far as, it was most, mostly like a touchback in a way. But those last two turnovers, in my opinion, were what were so bad. Because on the fumble, they were right by midfield. So not only did they stop themselves from really having a drive or having a chance to get a drive, they gave Jackson State the ball right there where they only needed about 20 yards to get in the field goal range. Once again, that defense was good enough to where that did not happen. However, you chanced it. And you don't want to chance it. So the last one's a pick six. I think that's pretty self-explanatory pass is directly giving the points to the defense it wasn't even a chance where your where your defense could get on the field and stop Jackson State from scoring so that wasn't really much to dive into but those two turnovers in itself were impactful but man the Prairie View's defense was really on and that helped there not really be a hole from these turnovers to dig out of and then let's get into number two number two was the red zone get into the red zone what red zone was a key to victory for me it only happened once and it ended up with three points. PV got to the 19, then some sacks happened, knocked them out. They got back into the 19. It was a really weird dive into. It was kind of like the hokey pokey. They put their foot in, took their foot out, put their foot back in. And they got back into the red zone at the end. But it was really just to kick the field goal, essentially. And their only touchdown came from outside the red zone on a trick play. So in a way, you could say the key didn't really come into play. However, you could also say... That defense stopped them, which was another thing that I discussed. It was about getting to the red zone. They weren't able to get into the red zone to use the key, which was Jackson State sometimes is good within the 20. Sometimes they they aren't. So they weren't able to use that key. I'll, I'll kind of cancel that one out and say not applicable. Then the last one was take Keith Corbin away or Corbin away. That mission was accomplished. That was the best thing they did because I spoke about how there's multiple ways to take an offense out of its groove, especially when... The offense is predicated upon passing. One thing you can do is take the number one target out. And that's what they did in, in Corbin. Corbin only had two catches for 10 yards. And the passing game struggled. That's causation. That's not correlation. It's not a he struggled and it just so happened to happen. No. He struggled and it led to the offense struggling as well. And it's not the only factor. Don't get me wrong. It's not the only factor. However, you cannot say that You've passed to this guy more than anybody else. He's gotten more yards than you than anybody else. And he's one of the best receivers in the SWAC by voters being a second team all SWAC wideout. And he doesn't do anything and that doesn't impact your offense. You cannot tell me that. Imagine taking your number one receiver. Prairie knows because this happened to them. Imagine having your number one receiver out due to injury. And he's struggling. That's going to play a part even if other things happen. So I thought that was a really good thing that they did there. Um, and there was some, there was some passes that Sanders just was low or high. Just the ball placement wasn't there. So I don't want to say it was all Corbin, but taking Corbin out was a big deal. Now let's get into Jackson state and Jackson state's number one thing for me was get to the quarterback. 
they came out and said, hey, mouth to the south, we heard you, and we're going to get to the quarterback immediately because on the first play of the game, sack. On the very first play of the game. Then I told you on the second series, they had back-to-back sacks that pushed them out of field goal range and then led to, because pressure ended up making the guy actually scroll, uh, scramble out, actually passed, had to scramble out of the out of the pocket before he threw his interception. So you could really say that pressure affected all three of those plays as soon as they got close to maybe being in scoring position. So they got to the quarterback. I don't think that's really any doubt about it. And I loved it because they were getting tackles for loss. They were getting sacks. They were getting pressure that might not show up on the stat sheet. And my favorite sequence was the one that I discussed about Ragan. That was my favorite one. So in a battle of strength versus strength, which is, like I said, something I love to see. I love me some 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 competition of this is my this is my thing, this is your thing. We're gonna see who's gonna be better. That advantage went to Jackson State. Then this one was very disappointing because they lost this one completely. When third downs, I wanted Jackson State to continue to be who they are on third downs, which is a great third down offense and a great third down defense. And only one half of that showed up. And I feel like this was a fail on Jackson State's department. Yes, Prairie View went 4 for 15, and that's a really bad performance. So it's a kudos to the Jackson State defense, but the offense was so bad that I feel like it honestly overshadowed it. Jackson State's offense went 3 for 12. That's a 25% uh, completion percentage, or conversion percentage, I should say, excuse me. They're used to having 41%. That's what they usually do, but they weren't able to do it in A lot of times when you struggle on these things, because you try to point out, what are the easy excuses? Maybe you're not good on first and second down. No. On on third and mediums, third and short, so anything six or less yards, they went two for seven. They went two for seven on these. They went three for 12 in general. So if it was longer than that, it was only one for five. But this included a third, third and one that they missed. They ended up getting it on fourth down, but they went for it on third and one and did not get it. So I can't just blame it and say you're in third and long situations because that would be a lie. Simply put, they were not good. And that's why I said the defense and special teams had to carry them to victory. Then my last thing was BU. And they were kind of themselves because they have great defense. You know, like like, like their defense shut people down all the time. And Prime said, hey, if we can score 21, I don't think anybody's going to beat us because I don't think anybody can put 21 up on us. They didn't put 21 up. They put 10 up. So they were themselves with that suffocating defense and great pressure. They were those themselves on that. We detailed the five turnovers that they forced, and the pressure was good all game. So the defense was themselves. But offensively, no. Offensively, they were not themselves at all. They, they, they became effective as the game went on. But they were not Jackson State's offense that we're used to seeing because the offense did not go through the passing game. I kept thinking about it. I'm like, man, they are running the ball really well. Peyton Pickett, Sante Marshall, these guys are really running the ball better than you would think for a team that does not run it a lot and a team that does not average a high yards per carry. But it was a weird turn of events because on their two touchdown drives, I would argue that Marshall and Pickett were their best players. Pickett was a contributor heavily, including he ended up getting a targeting penalty, so you can kind of give him those 15 yards in a way. And then Pickett was the driving force. He carried the team down the field on a drive that ended in a Pickett touchdown. 
He also had four for 33 on that play, on that drive with runs of 12, runs of 18. He was getting explosive plays that really took them down the field, and I'm glad that he was able to get it. You don't want no touchdown vultures because last time they tried to give a touchdown vulture because he drove them down the field. It ended up, it ended up being a goal line interception. It wasn't it wasn't pretty for the offense, but the running game in general being better than the offense, I mean better than the passing, was something that I was like, whoa. Shocked me. I did not surprise it. And the quarterbacks really ruined the overall average. But if you just look at Pickett and Marshall, they had 157 yards on 32 carries. That's nearly five per carry. And that's a big improvement over their yearly average, which was under four yards per carry. That was my biggest takeaway from the game was the running game showed up when it needed to. And that was a great team move because I talk about winning games in every different way. That's a championship team. But this is also a championship move when one of your strongest elements is struggling. You step it up in all different kinds of ways. Now, as we prepare to discuss the early season upset of South Carolina State over South Florida, I actually want to talk to you guys about Bet Online because it has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And football season starting to get into the playoffs. You know, the college football playoffs just got announced. Maybe you want to put a little bit of money down on Alabama. Or maybe you want to put a little bit of money down on Georgia getting payback or beat, going through Michigan. Who knows? Or maybe you want to go with the underdogs in Cincinnati. But BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports action this season. Go to the new updated desktop or I know how it be sometimes you're already on your phone. Just go to that on the mobile website and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And use the promo code Locked On to receive the bonus. You can do football, boxing, there's a big UFC event next week, or if you just want to play casino games, it doesn't matter, as long as you don't wait. Take advantage of these offers in the 2021 season while they're here, because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's the holiday season. Grab you the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and even better than some of them, filled with so much holiday goodness and decadent flavor and covered in chocolate. It's amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein, so you get the best of both worlds, which is delicious and healthy. We got a bunch of flavors, so don't even try to pick. Just get them all. That's my advice to you. Built Bar gives you the extra fuel to go through with your shopping, scratch off everything on your Christmas list, and be done and feel good afterwards. But just don't mention your favorite flavor around somebody because they might want to fight you for it, try to steal it from you because people get really impassioned about these things. Just tell Santa to throw some into your stocking. And when he does, put it into a nice cup of hot chocolate. It'll melt the bar a little bit. Give the beverage some flavor, just something different for yourself. But if you really like those marshmallowy treats that are kind of stereotypical with the holidays, get you a built bar puff. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors all covered in chocolate and taste so good that you'll forget that you're even eating something that has a lot of protein in it. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your offer. Use the code LOCKED15 at Built.com to get 15% off your offer. What's going on, family? As we wrap up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we're going to be talking about an upset that just went down in the MEAC on Friday. South Carolina State pulled off the upset of South Florida in really an impressive game because 
when you look at what the beginning of a lot of HBCU schools schedule in basketball really looks like, it's a bunch of money games. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but when you look at it, it's going against a lot of bigger conferences. And it's really games that are not in the favor or really ones that look even for HBCU. So these type of things are big deals. I really don't mean to be disrespectful, but when I'm looking at these games, I'm not really looking for wins and losses. And I kind of feel like it misrepresents how good a team is at the end of the year because their record looks so slanted because they faced in or they went in a bunch of games that they weren't supposed to win. What I'm looking for is what do you do well in comparison to other people in your team? Like, Okay, that guy, he's the facilitator because he's the one getting the most assists in these games. After you after you watch enough of them, it's like, okay, this is the pattern. This is what this player does well. He's the scorer of everybody because when you're going against these teams, that's who's doing more of the scoring. Now, sometimes it switches as you get into conference play and players begin to get more acclimated with the team because you might have transferred in. There's a lot of transfers that come into HBCU, so it just takes a little time for them to get adjusted. There's things of that nature, but for the most part, I'm just comparing you to your teammates and nothing more than that. HBCUs are often major underdogs in these games, so it should come no, as no surprise that South Carolina State only came in with a 7% 7 chance. Not 17, not 77, 7% chance of victory. South Florida was 3-3, three and three, not a great record, but 3-3. Three and three. South Carolina State was 1-7, but never say never, right? And that's exactly what TJ Matlock said when he knocked down the game-winning three with less than a second left on the clock. And this three was good because it's not like the floor was commodious. It was really shrunk in. He didn't have much space. He was in the corner, and it was well covered. It was well covered. So... That made the three even better because he turned around on the baseline. They denied entry when you first look at the play. But once he got it, he just put it up. He probably put it up with more than two seconds left on the clock, but it, it just went down with less than one. And that play might have been the game winner. However, the three-pointer is the reason that they were even in the game because they knocked down the three-point at a much higher clip and was much more successful and even attempted more than than University of South Florida did by a wide margin. That three-point shot went down 42% of the time for the Bulldogs. They went 13-31, so you see they took 31 threes. That's obviously a huge number. They, they didn't take that many more shots. So when you look at how much they use the three, when you look at three being bigger than two, so it's just going to end up being more effective if you can knock it down often, because South Florida shot the two at a much better clip than them. It was a much it wasn't even really close with how well they shot the two pointers. But I can knock down threes better than you. It's a great equalizer. And you look at a guy like Omar Krosky. That's the best the best example as an individual player to kind of represent what the team was as a whole when it came to shooting threes. He went five for ten on the night. Not bad, fifty percent, whatever. Five for ten on the night. But he went four for nine from three so only one shot that he took wasn't a three-pointer that's kind of how they were 13 of the 21 made baskets for the bulldogs was threes they only made eight two-pointers and knocked down two from the free throw line or 10 from the free throw line excuse me nearly every player on that team attempted or made a three six players made threes almost nine or ten attempted them 
So they went in with a game plan to shoot threes when you oppose it to South Florida, who has been cold all year from behind the arc. They only shot 22%. They didn't have the, the success that they had from there. So when you're knocking down twos on twos on twos, but I'm knocking down threes on threes on threes, now you kind of see things aren't going to keep evening out. And that last three-point shot by Matlock was the final dagger, or as my guy Blaze would say, the coup de gras. And that's ultimately what really finished the game because they didn't have enough time to get up a good shot. They played good defense, South Florida. They played good defense, but it just did not matter because when Matlock put the shot up, you knew it was going down. And one other stat that I want to point to as a reason that they had a lot of success was the second chance points. They had three more offensive rebounds and four more second chance points. And those numbers might seem small. It might seem like that's a minuscule margin. But it's really not because any small effort, those are effort plays in my opinion, any small effort in games like this when you're supposed to lose 7% chance, I remind you, they had to start the game. Any small effort can go a long way in situations like that. So the small effort is what goes unnoticed. But the three-point shooting, that's what gets noticed. And it's really the driving force and the reason that South Carolina State was able to edge South Florida. Now they have to sit on their butts for a week until Friday when they play High Point University. So it's kind of like you had all that momentum. You want to get back out on the court. But unfortunately, you're sitting there for a week waiting until the next time you have to play. And if I'm South Carolina State, what I'm doing is I'm doing exactly the same thing that you guys are doing right now. I'm making Locked On HBCU my first listen of the day because Darian the Mouth of the South is always gracious and appreciative of that. Now for your second listen of the day, make sure you go in and checking out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, and always free and available on all platforms. And in the meantime, in between time, y'all know where to catch up with me, but if you don't, just go ahead and go to that blue app with the bird. Yeah, go to Twitter and type in South Exclusives. Follow me for everything. And take care and stay blessed. Till the next time we see each other, family. Peace.